Encyclical Letter, Afarivos, on the Manitoba School Question, by Pope Leo XIII. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. On the Manitoba School Question, Encyclical Letter Afarivos, by Pope Leo XIII. December 8th. 1897. Venerable Brethren, Health and the Apostolic Benediction. It is not possible for us to address you, which we most gladly and lovingly do, without there occurring to our mind spontaneously the ancient and unbroken intercourse of love and dutiful communion of the Canadians of the Apostolic See. The charity of the Catholic Church is bound up with the very beginning of your history, and once you were received in her maternal bosom, she never afterwards failed to embrace you, to cherish you, to load you with benefits. Certainly, that immortal man, Francis of Laval, Montmorency, the first bishop of Quebec, whatever things he is recorded in the grateful memory of your fathers to have accomplished most happily and most holily for the public welfare, were accomplished by him relying on the authority of the Roman pontiffs. Nor on any other basis did succeeding bishops, whose merits were so magnificent, undertake the initiation of public affairs. And similarly, if we look at the time past, no action was taken without the advice and commission of the apostolic see by the noble bands of apostolic men who went forth to spread with the light of Christian wisdom a fuller culture and the seeds of noble arts. And when these seeds, through their great labors, had gradually grown ripe, the Canadian nation emulated the civilization and the glory of cultured peoples, if late, yet not unequally. Zeal for the faith rewarded. All these things are very pleasant for us to remember, and the more so that we see no small fruit of them remains, and that very great one especially, the love of the Catholic multitude and their energetic zeal for God's religion, which your ancestors, first and especially from France, then from Ireland, and ultimately also elsewhere, auspiciously brought and practiced holily themselves and handed to their children to be preserved inviolate. Wherefore, if a grateful posterity guards this best of all inheritances, we easily understand how great a share in this praise is rightly due to your vigilance and labors, venerable brethren, and to the zeal of your clergy. For you all with one accord assiduously strive to safeguard and increase the Catholic cause, and this to say sooth, neither against the wishes nor the consent of the laws of the British Empire. Whence, led on by the thought of all your good works, when we some years ago raised to the honor of the Roman purple the Archbishop of Quebec, we intended not only to recognize the virtues of the man, but to give an honorable testimony to the piety of the faithful there. But the Holy See never ceased to labor for the interests of a new era, in which are placed the greatest hopes for church and state with the zeal united with yours and that of your predecessors. So that everywhere, very many institutions were established 
and those of the most flourishing character, for the instruction of your children in virtue, for their advancement in knowledge, amongst which takes first rank the great Laval University at Quebec, which adorned and furnished with all legitimate powers in accordance with pontifical legislation, witnesses that there is nothing which the apostolic see more eagerly wishes and desires than to bring up the youth of the state adorned with knowledge and praiseworthy for virtue. Wherefore, with great anxiety, as you will easily conceive, we have had our mind on those troubles which late years have brought in regard to the Catholic training of the children of citizens of Manitoba. For we wish, and must wish with all the strength and energy of which we are capable, to strive and to secure that faith and that religion should suffer no harm among so many thousands of people whose interests are committed to us especially, particular in a state which received from the Catholic Church the rudiments of Christian doctrine as well as the commencements of the human arts. And when many people looked for an opinion from us on this point, and desired to know what method they were to adopt, or what principle they were to act on, we determined to settle nothing before our apostolic delegate intimately understood the case, who being ordered to diligently inquire the true state of the case, and at once referred to us, ably and faithfully carried out our commands. Religious Education, the Issue The matter is indeed one of very great and very weighty moment. We wish to bring to mind what seven years ago the legislators of the province of Manitoba decreed in session, who indeed took away a right which the laws of the Canadian Confederacy had established, namely, that Catholic children had a right to be taught and educated in the public schools in accordance with their conscientious beliefs, and their act did a grievous wrong. For where the Catholic religion is either ignorantly neglected or of set purpose attacked, where its teaching is despised and the principles on which it rests rejected, it cannot be lawful that our children for the sake of education should attend. And if any place the church permits such a thing to be, it allows it only grudgingly and under necessity, and applies many preventives which, however, experience proves to be not often able to prevent the danger. And likewise that pestilential and ever-to-be-avoided practice must be opposed which teaches that whatever a man wishes to believe he may without any danger approve, and has an equal right to think that there is no difference whether he holds right or wrong, views about God and divine things, whether he follows truth or falsehood. You well know, venerable brothers, that all educational views of such a nature are condemned by the judgment of the Church, for nothing has a more pernicious influence in destroying the integrity of the faith and in leading the tender minds of children from the truth. We must have Catholic schools. And there is this, moreover, to which even those who disagree with us on other matters without difficulty assent, namely, that not only by merely literary education, not by any vague and superficial knowledge of virtue is it possible that such Catholic scholars should be produced as a country wants and expects. Weightier and greater are the teachings which will make them good Christians and fruitful and honest citizens. 
it is necessary that they should be informed by those principles which are deeply seated in their conscience, and which they must obey and follow, because they spring spontaneously from religion and from faith. For there is no moral discipline worthy of the name, or efficient, if religion be removed. For the life and soul of all duty rise especially from those duties which bring men into communion with God, who commands and forbids, who orders good and reproves evil. Wherefore it is as foolish to wish to imbue minds with right moral principles while they are allowed to be deprived of religion as to call them to recognize virtue when the foundation of virtue has been removed. Now, to a Catholic, the Catholic religion is one and the only one. Wherefore he can neither accept nor recognize any moral or religious teaching unless it is sought for and derived from intrinsic Catholic sources. Therefore, justice and reason demand that the school supplies to every scholar not only a knowledge of literary character, but also, as we have said, that knowledge of morality joined with precepts taken from our religion, without which, assuredly, all education will be not only unfruitful, but injurious. From which these consequences naturally follow. The teachers must be Catholics, and the books that are read and from which scholars are taught must be such as the bishops approve. There must be unfettered power of arranging and ruling the discipline, so that the whole system of teaching and of learning shall exactly agree and coincide with the belief of Catholic faith and the duties which thence arise. And it especially concerns fathers, each one to see with regard to his children, with whom they are trained, and what teachers of conduct they possess. Wherefore one Catholics wish, as it is their duty to wish, and to strive to obtain, that the belief of the teacher should be in accordance with the belief of their children, they are acting within their rights. Nor could a more iniquitous action be taken with them than to compel them to adopt one or other of these courses, either to bring up their children unlearned and uneducated, or to expose them to the clear danger of loss of faith. In union lies victory. These principles of thought and action, which stand on truth and justice, and affect the welfare not alone of individuals, but of the commonwealth, it is impious to call in question or in any way to desert. Therefore, when the new law in the province of Manitoba struck at the rightful education of Catholic children, it was your duty, brethren, publicly to oppose the danger and the injury arising therefrom. And this duty you have every one done so completely that the general vigilance of you all and your wishes, worthy of you as bishops, shone clear before us. And although in this matter each of you is sufficiently approved by the testimony of his conscience, know that your action has our assent and our approval. For those things are most holy which you have striven and strive yet to maintain and defend. But the grievances produced by the Manitoba law of which we speak, indicated of themselves that a fitting remedy for the evil was to be sought in a peaceful manner. 
the cause was one which demanded combination and the most effective cooperation on the part of all fairly-minded and worthy citizens of every party. The contrary, however, is what occurred, not without great detriment. It is still more to be regretted that the Canadian Catholics themselves, by no means united, as they ought to have done, in defending a cause which so closely affects them all, and the vast interest and importance of which should have ensured the subordination of political ambitions, matters of such inferior consequence. The Proposed Measure Inadequate We are not unaware that some measures have been undertaken with the view of amending the law. Those in authority over the Federated States and the province have already arrived at certain decisions for the purpose of lessening the grievances against which the Catholics of Manitoba rightly continue to raise their voices in protest and complaint. We have no reason to doubt that this was done through a love of fair play and with a laudable design. Yet what the fact really is cannot be disguised. The law which was passed to repair the evil is defective, unsuitable, inadequate. Let no one deny that the Catholics claim and rightly claim much more. Besides, the arrangements decided on have this fault, that with a change in the local circumstances they may easily fail in their effect. To state the whole matter briefly, Enough has not yet been done in Manitoba to satisfy the rights of Catholics and provide for the education of the young. But the case requires that, in accordance with justice, proper provision should be made in every respect, those unchangeable and sacred principles which we have touched on above being securely preserved and safeguarded. This is the object which should be aimed at and striven for with zeal and prudence. Its attainment nothing tends more effectually to prevent than discord. Unity of mind and a certain harmony of action are very necessary. Yet, as there is not a fixed and definite path to the goal which is and ought to be sought, but many ways lead to it, as usually happens in affairs of this kind, it follows that there may be various excellent and acceptable opinions as to the policy to be pursued. Wherefore, let all and each bear in mind the value of moderation, gentleness, and mutual charity. Let none forget the respect due to his neighbor. Let Catholics arrange and carry out with brotherly unanimity, but not without taking your advice, whatever is demanded by the occasion and appears best to be done. Accept Partial Concessions as to what regards particularly the Catholics of Manitoba, we are confident that, with God's help, they will one day obtain all they desire. This confidence is based, above all, on the goodness of their cause, next on the justice and wisdom of those who exercise public authority, and finally on the goodwill of all upright Canadians. Meanwhile, so long as they cannot secure all their rights, let them not refuse partial satisfaction of their claims. If then by law or custom or the good disposition of the people anything be granted by which the grievances are made more tolerable and the dangers more remote, 
it is by all means expedient and advantageous to make use of the concessions and to derive the greatest benefit possible from them. Where, however, their grievances can be remedied in no other way, we exhort and conjure them to do what is needful by increased liberality and generosity. They can do nothing more serviceable for their own salvation and for the welfare of the states than to contribute what their means will allow to the schools for the education of the young. Well-trained teachers a necessity. There is another very worthy object to which your united efforts should be directed. Under your guidance and with the aid of the school managers, a careful and wise system of instruction should be established and every possible precaution should be taken that those who engage in the work of teaching possess ample natural ability and are well trained. For it is right that the Catholic schools should be able to compete in mental culture and literary acquirements with any other schools, however flourishing they may be. If the purpose be to ensure learning and refinement, the intention of the Canadian provinces in advancing and raising the standard of teaching as far as the capacities of the candidates will permit, so that a greater degree of polish and perfection may be continually attained, must indeed be regarded as honorable and noble. But there is no kind of science, no refined knowledge, which cannot most happily harmonize with Catholic doctrine and education. Let the Catholic press do its duty. In explaining and defending the points we have laid down, no slight service can be rendered by those Catholics who write for the public, especially through the daily press. Let them therefore be mindful of the duty that lies upon them. Let them fight with earnestness and courage for what is true, right, and of advantage to Christianity and the state, but in such a way as to maintain decorum to avoid personalities, and to observe moderation rigidly. Let them respect and faithfully obey the authority of the bishops and every legitimate power. The greater the difficulties amidst which they find themselves, the more imminent the danger of dissension, so much the more zealously should they strive to advocate harmony of thought and action, without which there is no hope, or at least scarcely a hope, that what we all desire will be secured. As a pledge of heavenly blessings and of our paternal goodwill, accept the apostolic benediction, which we impart most lovingly in the Lord to you, venerable brethren, and to your clergy and people. Given at St. Peter's, Rome, on the 8th of December, 1897, the 20th year of our pontificate, Leo XIII, Pope. End of Encyclical Letter of Farivos on the Manitoba School Question by Pope Leo XIII. Read by Michael Shane Craig Lambert, L.C.